In Acts chapter 11, beginning at verse 1, in honor of God's Word, would you stand for the reading of God's Word? If you are able. Now the apostles and brethren who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the Word of God. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those of the circumcision contended with him, saying, You went into uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter explained it to them in order from the beginning, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, an object descending like a great sheet let down from heaven by four corners, and it came to me. When I observed it, intently and considered, I saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, Not so, Lord, for I, for nothing has uh, common or unclean has at any time entered my mouth. But Peter, But the voice answered me again from heaven, What God has cleansed you must not call Common. Now this was done three times, and all were drawn up again into heaven. At that very moment, three men stood before the house where I was, having been sent to me from Caesarea. Then the Spirit told me to go with them, doubting nothing. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered the men's house. And he told us how he had seen an angel standing in his house who said to him, Send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who will tell you words by which you and all your household will be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them as upon us at the beginning. Then I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If therefore God said to, gave them the same gift as He gave us when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could withstand God? And when they heard these things, they became silent, and they glorified God, saying, Then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad and thankful that God has given to you and me the opportunity as Gentiles to be saved? (laughs) Pray with me. Lord, we give you glory and praise and thanksgiving for the opportunity that we have today to be saved, and to come together as Jew and Gentile and praise your name and worship you. Great God of very God, the living, the only living and great God. So God, today, speak to our hearts through your Holy Spirit and and through your word that we may glorify you who has included us 
in your forever family. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. And you may be seated. This passage shows us in no uncertain terms, without doubting truths that illustrate that God is at work in our world today. He enters our world that he has created and given to us and created us alive and living and shows no partiality to intersect our lives with his or his with ours. And he is at work as we sit here and as we worship him as we listen to and praise His name and listen to His Word and wait upon the Holy Spirit of God to move us. When God saves an individual, when God saves a people, who are you and I to disagree with that? I mean... You know, when when we look around in our culture today and in our world today, who are we to stop the movement of the Holy Spirit of God? How dare we stop the movement of the Holy Spirit of God? And we can do that. We can quench the Holy Spirit of God and... If we quench the Holy Spirit of God, that means we, we stop Him from working. But the Bible tells us that we are not to quench the Spirit. And so we must allow the Holy Spirit of God to work even in and amidst racially, ethnically, culturally, and otherwise people groups that we do not agree with. Why else would we send missionaries around the world if we did not believe that everybody was available to hear the gospel and be saved? These truths reinforce the concept of whosoever will may come. And whoever is touched by the power of God and led by the, the, the Spirit of God to be changed and transformed by salvation, they are changed. The Apostle Paul, under the uh, movement and power of the Holy Spirit of God, wrote these words, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a changed person. And that person that is changed or transformed is transformed forever. Changed forever. So whoever God grants repentance to salvation, we are not to try and hinder them. In fact, verses 1 through 8 of this chapter speaks about who God grants repentance to we accept. Listen again and follow along with verses 1 through 8 of what the Apostle Paul 
or excuse me, Apostle Peter is writing and defending his actions of going into a Gentile house. With this in mind, let me remind you that Gentiles and Jews did not like each other. They were not friends, and uh, to become friends was anathema, was, uh, was against each race. You, you do know there's only one race in the world, didn't you? Uh, the human race. Jews did not like Gentiles. Jews did not fellowship with Gentiles. Jews did not go into Gentiles and vice versa. But, you see, God in His great wisdom and might changed all of that. And He brought the two together through Jesus Christ, His Son, on the cross. And in that event on the cross, Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, and ascension all brought together all of mankind and offered all of us an opportunity for repentance unto salvation. Now the apostles and brethren who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. The apostles and the brethren... Jews, they heard that the Gentiles had received the word of God. So when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those of the circumcision, Jews, contended with him. They gave him a difficult time, saying, you were in, uh, you went into uncircumcised men, you ate with them, Peter explained to them. I was in the city of Joppa. I was, it was up on the rooftop. I was waiting to be, uh, to be, uh, to eat. And I saw a vision. Objects descending in like a great sheet down from heaven. That ought to have given them an indication to begin with. I saw a trance and it was coming down from heaven. All sorts of four-footed beasts. Rise, Peter. Kill and eat. You hungry? Eat. But I said, not so, Lord. No, no, no. Nothing common or unclean. Nothing that, as a Jew, has touched these lips that were not supposed to touch my lips. The voice came back. What God has cleansed, you must not call common. So Peter was wrong. Now this was done three times. Three times it was done. And then it was drawn up and taken away. The very moment, three men stood by and said, Peter, we need you to come with us. The Spirit told me to go with them, doubting nothing. And then when I got there and entered the man's house, remember, this is Cornelius' house now. Cornelius is a Gentile. Then the Spirit told me, doubting nothing, verse 12, Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me. We entered the man's house, Cornelius' house, and he told us how he had seen an angel 
standing in his house. He had a vision, one of the visions of last week. Two men, two visions, one message. Send men to Joppa for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who will tell you words by which you and all your household will be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, and as as upon all uh, us at the beginning. So Peter's going back to the upper room where, at the beginning, the Holy Spirit fell on that upper room, that 120 people who were in that upper room, and the Holy Spirit fell upon them. They began to speak with unknown tongues. That's different languages in that particular part of Scripture. Unknown languages that as they went out into the city, they spoke the Word of God in the different languages of the people that were there, and many, many were saved. Then I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us, verse 17, when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could withstand God? My friend, it is a bold thinking individual that believes he can withstand God. He or she can withstand God. And it is a bold, if not somewhat ignorant individual who will even try to withstand God. When God saves someone, He does not consult you and me. He doesn't need to consult with you and me. He doesn't ask us whether or not He can save anybody. He just does it. Praise God. And I'm for one glad that He does. Because if He hadn't saved me, I certainly wouldn't be standing up here before you. When you and I lose our concern and our interest in that which concerns God, we make a grave mistake. He is still seeking to save that which was lost. That's why Jesus said, He came. I came to seek and to save that which was lost. I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. I came to seek and save that which was lost. Contention. There was a disagreement with some of those who, who said, you know, we, we have a problem with you going into a Gentile's home. So Peter gave his personal testimony. He spoke to them about what he had experienced with the Lord Jesus. And then he spoke about his conviction. Who was I that I could withstand the Word of God and who could withstand God? Verse 18, when they heard these things, they became silent. I like that. Sometimes we need to be silent before the Lord God. Sometimes we need to listen 
someone told me long ago. Don, you, you learn more if you close this instrument here and open these instruments here. That's why God gave you only one mouth and two ears so you can listen more. They became silent and they glorified God saying when they opened their mouth, then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. God gave that convicting power and that filling power of the Holy Spirit, and He converted individuals from lostness to salvation. Praise God. He convinced them that that's what they need to do as well. Praise God for what God does. Now, that doesn't mean that contention is going to go away. That doesn't mean that some people are not going to disagree with whatever God does. But God grants repentance to those whom He chooses to do so. But then also God changes lives and individual transformations in individuals' lives and, and we need to encourage them. We don't need to discourage them. We need to encourage them. When I was, was, uh, was my life was changed and, and all, people encouraged me. Uh, but when we got married, one, Wanda and I got married, had a double wedding, her twin sister, uh, got married at the same time and, and, uh, you know, we thought people were going to just encourage us as, Young and, and bold as we were, we, we were still, we were still ch- children. We, you know, I, I robbed the cradle. But, you know, people didn't, didn't mind that. But we were still young and, and in love. Uh, some of you remember that. Uh, others of you, well, uh, you know, there's still hope. But, you know, you, you, you think, People would encourage you. Well, they they were encouraging. They they told us that you know it, it's nice to have a double wedding, but but you know it's always one couple that doesn't make it. That's that's a wonderful thing to tell a newly married couple, isn't it? Even if they got did get married with a double wedding, yeah, there's always one couple that don't make it. Well, it went from one, one person to another person. We heard that all day long after we got married. Pity they didn't tell us that before we got married. Of course, I wouldn't have paid any attention to them anyway. But, yeah. When God changes an individual, when God saves people, we need to be an encouragement for them. We need to stand by them. We need to pray for them. We need to lift them up. An encouragement. Be an encouragement to them. And that's what the Word of God tells us. Verses 19 and following. Look. Now, those who were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen, going back to Stephen, you remember Stephen? And uh, after, after Stephen 
traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word of God to no one but the Jews. But some, verse 20, some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who when they had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, Greek-speaking Jews, preaching the Lord Jesus. So the gospel was opened up, And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number of the Greek-speaking Jews believed and turned to the Lord. Then news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. When he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all that with purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord. He encouraged them. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people, and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. See, Barnabas, Barnabas was used of God to be an encourager. Barnabas was a man of God who was full of the Holy Spirit of God, full of the wisdom of God, and used by God to encourage the Jews and the Gentiles, Greek-speaking Jews, and, and they were saved. They came under the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God. They were brought to conversion by the Holy Spirit of God. And they were encouraged by Barnabas. The best thing the church can do is is have a, a class for new believers and follow up with those new believers in encouraging them and giving them guidance in what to uh, believe, and how we believe as a church body, and follow through with them on how to understand and what to understand in the Word of God. Teaching them, discipling them. And that's what Barnabas did. It's so lacking in so many churches today. When we surrendered our lives to the Lord in 1972 to begin. That was a long time ago. And, and surrendered our lives to, to preach the Word of God wherever the Lord God sent us. We were encouraged and sent out by our church. By the way, our, our home church is Wake Crossroads Baptist Church, which is not, not that far from here. And, uh, and sent out by them. Now, we were encouraged, and, uh, but we didn't have a new believer's class. We didn't have any kind of believer's class. We were encouraged to attend Sunday school and church training. Now, I know that's a strange word to perhaps some of you. Church training. You know what church training is. How many of you know what church training is? Okay, Training union. All right, yeah. Yeah, some of you do still remember that. 
Well, that was the Sunday evening Bible study time before preaching. So, uh, sort of like Sunday school is before preaching on Sunday morning. And, and so we were discipled. That was a way of discipling. But, uh, but now there's specific need. Why? Because we are reaching a people that do not know the Word of God nor understand the Word of God. That's not anything necessarily against them. But it is something that the church should be having emphasis upon to make sure that people that come to know Christ that are changed and transformed know what to believe about the Lord and about doctrine and about the church and about Jesus Christ. We do that as we encourage them and as we get them involved in Sunday schools, as we get them involved in discipling, discipleship, encouraging them. And then when God save someone, we don't have a choice. We should accept them and encourage them. And then thirdly, we should help them to discern what God wants them to know and to be. Look at verses 27 through 30 of chapter 11. And in these days, prophets came from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus stood up and showed by the Spirit that there was going to be a great famine throughout all the world, which also happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples each, according to his ability determined to send relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea. This they also did and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. In that day, God gave them an understanding as these new believers were being taught and discipled. Prophets of the Lord God came into the area in the churches, and spoke from God about a famine that was going to be in all the land, all the area. And like Joseph in Egypt, he prepared for that famine. And that's what Agabus was doing. He was getting them prepared for the famine. And, and notice what took place in the lives of these new believers. See, they had been discipled very well. Look and see what, what verse 29 and verse 30 says. Then the disciples in this area, and new believers in this area, disciples according to their ability determined to send relief, to give. They were encouraged to give. They were led to give a relief offering to the brethren dwelling in Judea, to the mother church in Jerusalem. This they did and sent to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. They decided to give, they decided to, 
to take up a love offering, as it were, and to share that with the mother church because they knew they were already in having problems in making ends meet and also having enough food. But notice how they gave. Then the disciples, each according to his ability. When we are saved in, by the power of the, the Holy Spirit of God through Jesus Christ our Lord, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ Jesus alone, the Holy Spirit of God gives us a gift. Now, there are many gifts, and you can read them in the book of Ephesians and Romans. He gives us abilities and He gives us gifts. And this particular ability of these new believers was an ability to see the need beyond themselves and to give according to their ability. Now, I want you to hear me <laughs> clearly. I hate it when somebody says, uh, now I, wanna, I want you to, you know, to be very clear, to be very clear. I, I, I want you to hear me very clearly because, you see, I, I'm, I, I preach on money. <laughs> I do preach on money. Jesus, when you look about Jesus and what he talked about, Jesus talked more about money than he did a number of things. Money was important in that day and in our day. God does not ask us beyond our ability to do anything that he's not willing to give us the ability to do. Listen to me. God isn't asking you to give $400 when you don't have the ability to give $400. Remember the widow's might and how much Jesus was looking at those who were giving in the temple? What did Jesus say about this lady who only gave a penny? He says she's given him more than all of those others who gave out of what? Their abundance. She gave out of her need. But she gave more than all the others put together. God doesn't ask us to go beyond our ability that he has given to us. But if he challenges us, he is going to give us an ability to do what He challenges us to do. Listen, if, if the church under the leadership and lordship of Jesus Christ comes together and we set a goal, and we believe God has given that goal to us that we set, for His glory, not for our own glory and, and uh, aggrandizement, but for Him, what do you think God's going to do? If it's going to praise the Lord, if it's going to glorify the Lord, if it's for His glory and benefit, He's going to give us the ability to do it. But friend, listen. He doesn't 
give us a requirement to do beyond our ability. The tithe, people say the tithe is not relevant for the day. I beg to differ with you greatly. The tithe is just as relevant today as it was in the Old Testament. And out of that tithe, out of that 10%, 10%, can you imagine God living on, on 10% of what you and I make? Ten percent. But he requires ten percent. Now, there are those who give more. You don't give an offering until it's over that ten percent. Then that's an offering. And that needs to be a generous offering. And listen, if God has blessed you beyond measure, you ought to be giving more than 10%. Why? Because it blesses the Lord. It praises the Lord. It, it glorifies the Lord. But He at least does require 10%. Moreover, the Bible says it's required of stewards that they be found faithful. So He's not asking just for money. God... God doesn't, it's not just for money that Jesus talked. But money is part of it. The church is able to minister based upon that which is given to support the ministry. So, 10% is a tithe. It's just the beginning of what the Lord actually requests and requires. They gave as their ability to give. And they gave according to God's blessing. Look at verse 30. They also did and sent to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. They did, they gave, they received, they determined to send it to Judea, to the church in Judea. They gave as a generous offering. They did so, and they sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. God Ask us to give based upon our ability, based upon what He has gifted us with. And He requires of us to give based upon His blessing. What, he has, what has He blessed you with? What and how has He blessed you? And how can you bless Him back? One of the, one of the things that's so joyous about our giving is the is the fact of being able to bless as we have been blessed see it's it's not enough to just receive god's blessings he wants us to bless others with the blessing that he has blessed us with so that as it comes to us from the lord god then we give to bless others 
And that's not just money, that's in every aspect of life. Food, clothing, uh, everything. One of the, one of the things I'm, I'm going to an- announce to you in, in just a few minutes is the fact we packed 47 shoeboxes yesterday. Our folks here did. But it's noted that even before we packed those shoe boxes, the exact amount that was needed to ship those boxes was collected. That's a good place for an amen. Before we collect, before we, we packed the boxes, the exact amount. Can you imagine? Can you see how God has blessed that ministry? Over and over and over, we hear and read about the, that ministry, shoebox ministry, uh, through the Billy Graham organization. God, God has blessed the Billy Graham organization in so many ways. And this ministry of shoeboxes for little children has been one of the greatest ministries. Friends, it's up to God to grant repentance to life. It's up to you and me to accept whoever He grants that repentance to life to. It's up to God to give us the encouragement to give them. And it's up to God to share the needs of what is needed and people need today. But it's up to us to respond to that need because we're His as He leads us in that ability to give to it. You see, God is so good. God is so good that he does not lead, leave us without some way to lift him up, bless his name, and share him with our world. And then with that ability that he gives to us, be it words of testimony, or be it ability to give, or ability to do, God is good. And He wants us to bless others the way we've been blessed. I'm grateful someone saw the need for me to be blessed by hearing the gospel so I could be saved. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. That's the way of salvation today. Pray with me. Father God, we thank you that today, Lord, we 
we have such a wonderful opportunity of sharing our testimony with our world. There are so many in this world, Jew and Gentile alike, that do, does not know you as personal Lord and Savior. And Lord, they need to hear the gospel, the good news of the love of God and the salvation of Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ. So today, our Father, we pray that everywhere we go, we can give a word, a testimony about you to help encourage others, to bless others, and to be a blessing that others may come to know you as personal Lord and Savior. And Lord, may we be faithful to do so. In Jesus' name, amen.